Welcome to the SAMOPS Specialty Podcast, Episode 2. Today we have Dr. Jim Turbush with us to talk to us about military medicine. Welcome, Dr. Turbush. Oh, hi, Susan. How are you? And thanks for this opportunity. Appreciate it. Yes, thank you so much for talking to us. So we'd just like to start off with you giving us a little bit about your background, uh, how you got into medical school and what made you interested in the military, um, and a little bit about your branch and what specialty you did. Well, um, first things first, um, my, my dad was in the Navy. He was, in the, uh, he was an electrician's mate at the end of World War II in the Pacific Theater, and uh, it was, it, you know, the, the, the few stories that he told us were fascinating and uh, the uh, travel opportunities and the uh, adventures he had and so on were, were uh, and, and of course I always admired my dad and, and uh, looked up to him. So when the time came, I needed a way to pay for medical school. So that sounds kind of mercenary. But of the services, uh, Navy seemed like the the best choice uh, for me. I was married at the time, and or is ma- am married still. <laughs> and uh, uh, my wife also thought that that would be a great. We're Colorado kids. We lived here most of our lives, and uh, the idea of particularly being on the coast and traveling overseas was was something that we wanted to do. Um, how did I get into medical school? Probably just like everybody else, you know, uh, being way too uh, focused and, and uh, obsessive and, and probably not a very fun person to be around, I guess. But it was, sure. it was long hours. I worked in the, as a, uh, uh ambulance driver during uh, college, and so uh, uh, driving ambulance uh, uh, at at night, working the the dispatch. My my wife actually helped with that. We lived in a little apartment right on the right at the uh, uh, ambulance uh, headquarters there in Fort Collins, and so it was uh, you know work all uh, work all night and and school all day. So again, that doesn't sound very entertaining. Um, I was lucky enough to to get into the University of Colorado, and uh, I mean that sincerely. I think that that's a great school, and uh, uh, the education I got there was was uh, I think really really quite good. It put me in in good stead. The thing that um, well here let me back up a little bit. The the paying for medical school part. Uh, I got uh, I applied to for the uh, HPSP and uh, felt like the luckiest guy in the world when when uh, I got picked up uh, for that and uh, it it made all the difference. We always said we were going to be owing owing time instead of money and the the other thing is that we we said we were banking memories, not dollars, because we we used every every available dime and dollar to uh, to travel uh, during my my 26 years in the Navy. Honest to gosh, we we've been uh, a, a lot of places. I added them up uh, one time. It was several years ago, but I added them up and. Uh, a total of 80 countries that we got to visit. Wow. So that's a uh, I, that's not a record, but it is uh, pretty uh, pretty generous. And we would not have been afforded that opportunity if uh, 
uh, if we weren't in the Navy. So the other thing that distinguished being in medical school on the HPSB scholarship was during the summer, and I hope they still do this, you went on a temporary active duty for training. Is that, do you do that in the summers? Yes. We went on six weeks, and um, one summer was officer in indoctrination school, <laughs> OIS at Newport, and that's where I learned to sail. That was uh, uh, that was uh, uh, great. And then I got to go to the Navy Experimental Dive Unit in Panama City, Florida, uh, for six weeks. And what a treat that was! I was already interested in in scuba, and uh, so we did we did research on saturation diving um, down to about 1,500 feet. We had a, an interesting facility there that looks. In retrospect, a lot like the, uh, uh, the 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 ISS, the space station, but uh, obviously a different environment. And then uh, I got to go. Uh, let's see, one summer out to um, Camp Pendleton and uh, the San Diego area, and uh, saw the program there in family practice, and uh, did a bit of an interview. So when the time came, I got I got uh, uh, my internship there. At Camp Pendleton, we loved that. I mean, what a great place, San Diego. It's hard to beat. And uh, again, internship. I don't have to, uh, you know, spell this out. But again, it's long hours and and time away from family. But uh, uh, it worked out really well. It worked out really well for us. Um, kind of a funny story. Let me let me just back up here a little bit. Our program director was uh, uh, Bob Higgins. He went on to be uh, Deputy Surgeon General of the Navy. Now, this is a few years ago. He went on and, and uh, uh, you know, became a two-star admiral. And he was really one of several role models and mentors uh, for me. And that was, and I guess I'd have to say that's kind of thematic in my career, that I have been fortunate enough, really blessed, to have several uh, excellent uh, uh, role models or mentors, and uh, if that ever comes along in 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 your career, and I certainly hope that it that it will um, latch on to that because that's invaluable in in so many different ways. So Bob Higgins calls me into his office during my internship year and says, "Well, Jim, the, the Navy's changed the rules, and you know this shouldn't be any big surprise to to uh, anyone listening to this podcast, but." The, the the rule change was that all the uh, interns uh, were now going to have to go do an, an operational year. I don't think that's the case anymore. Are are you all allowed to go ahead and complete the the three or four or how many years of, of residency before you're you're deployed? Yes, yeah, so I think that? that a lot of it depends on what specialty you go into. Some okay. specialties are more likely than others to go straight through, and some are more likely okay. to go out and do some active okay. time. Okay. Well, at the time, it was across the board, so everybody got a, got a chance to go be a, a GMO, general medical officer, or flight surgeon, or undersea, or, or you know, deploy with Marines. And uh, Bob Higgins, you know, I kind of complained. I was actually kind of whiny about the whole thing. <laughs> and, and he says, go on, get out of here. It'll be good for you. Kind of threw me out of his office. And so, uh, and it was. I w- went to, um, uh, our family went to Pensacola. 
and did six months of the Navy uh, flight surgeon training, which you know is uh, substantially longer and, and, and quite a bit different than the Air Force flight surgeon training. And, you know, survival school and, and uh, basic uh, uh, flight training. We had the syllabus. I got in uh, 13 uh, FAM flights. And um, what, a, what a neat place also to uh, be in uh, northwest Florida with beautiful beaches and all that. So um, continuing this rather elaborate tale, um, it came time for our operational assignment, and the list came out. And I had uh, requested, uh, I wanted uh, an, uh, an accompanied tour, that was a big stretch, and wanted to go to Europe. And, and that was an even bigger stretch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so when the results came out, the, uh, I'd been assigned to, as the flight surgeon to uh, Iceland, to the NATO base in Keflavik, uh, Iceland. And that, too, was, a, was an incredible gift. Um, not only did I, uh, you know, earn my, earn my chops as a, as a physician because it was a, a very small hospital, but we had plenty of, plenty of things to do, and I got to um, stretch my wings uh, considerably there uh, clinically, and then the other way that I got to stretch my wings was doing search and rescue. So uh, up there in helicopters, up near the Arctic Circle doing search and rescue. So one of the things that came from uh, that was I, uh, in, in 1970, gosh, that seems like a long time ago, uh, <laughs> 1979, I was the uh, Richard E. Lures Navy Flight Surgeon of the Year. I, I think they still do that. And... Uh, uh, why uh, I, I was I, I was honored with that I'm not quite sure but anyway it was uh, it was really entertaining and and I got some good sea stories out of it and 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 so on um, went uh, finished my family practice residency in uh, in Bremerton uh, at the you know outside of Seattle at the Naval Hospital there and uh, great uh, program. Uh, and guess who was the program director? Bob Higgins. So it wow. came came full circle. And uh, again, it was a, a small program. I think there were eight of us. And uh, I got to be chief resident, which uh, I think helped with building leadership skills. But also you have to learn a whale of a lot of medicine to stay ahead of these folks, and <laughs> if that's even possible. Uh, we were the only residents in the hospital, so we got to do pretty much everything. And uh, we were the only ones in the in the hospital at at nighttime. So, uh, you know, anything of real interest, you got to figure out, or you know, a phone call. And uh, so it was good. Again, earning my clinical chops in that uh, environment. At that point, I had served my initial obligation, and there were some buds there in the Seattle area, and I was going to go into a, a group practice, group family practice, and already had that laid out. My my future civilian career was 
was in the bag, so to speak. And uh, I get a phone call from Bob Higgins, you know. He keeps he keeps popping up, mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, he said, "I'm I'm I'm here at Bumed, uh, Bureau of Medicine and Surgery, and I'm in a in a in a meeting." Uh, he said, uh, "There's an opening uh, in uh, in London at the embassy." He said, "There's the the uh, flight surgeon slash family practice guy we need at the." Uh, clinic at the embassy in London, and uh, he said, uh, "Do you want it?" And I said, "Well, that that sounds very attractive, and you know, I'm honored that you'd ask me. And here, let me talk it over with my wife and and think about it." And he says, "No, no, no, I'm in the meeting." <laughs> he said, "I need to know right now," and so. Uh, I put my hand over the over the uh, phone, and and my wife was, you know, probably I don't know, three, four, five yards away, and I just asked her. I said, "This is Bob Higgins. He wants to go to London." And uh, she says, "Okay." And then that was it. That was wow. it. So we were off overseas again, and that really began a pattern. Uh, for us of overseas assignments. And um, the uh, fact of the matter is that that really uh, changed our lives. It changed the lives of our kids. They grew up overseas more open to, gosh, different food and religion and politics and language and and you name it. And uh, really better citizens as a result of those overseas experiences and and uh, just a lot more adaptable and, and tolerant. And uh, so, again, at about this, this point, I had fulfilled my obligation. And uh, same old story, I was going to get out and go into rural family practice this time in Colorado where, where we were uh, from. And uh, uh, I did. I I got out after the London assignment, and for six years, another Navy, uh, former Navy buddy and I uh, ran a uh, uh, federally qualified rural health care center in the south of Denver. And uh, it was uh, was actually in Castle Rock. Castle Rock was rural back then. I know that's hard to believe. But we were the only facility for 35 miles in either direction. The nearest hospital was either uh, Swedish in Littleton or or uh, uh, Memorial uh, or Penrose St. Francis down here in Colorado Springs. So we were kind of it. And, boy, did we get hammered. It was amazing. Our practice lit off from the, from the very uh, beginning and took over our lives. It was it was incredible. That's that's what we got to do. Seemed like you know, seven days a week, fourteen hours a day. I don't think I'm exaggerating much. And uh, but but very very successful in terms of a clinical practice, but in terms of family life, um, pretty crummy. So that was the way that things were happening up until the summer of. Let's see, when was that? 1990, uh, the summer that 
uh, Saddam Hussein invaded uh, Kuwait. And uh, uh, I was on one of my summertime, you know, active duty for training. I stayed in the reserves, which was, by the way, it, it, don't ever give up that opportunity to serve in, in the reserves. I know there are a lot of individual type circumstances where you might think it's too much hassle or it's not worth it. But by all means, if, if you have a chance and it seems reasonable, stay in the reserves. It, it, it worked out for us like gangbusters. So um, time passes the Operation Desert Shield, which preceded Desert Storm. And uh, doggone, I called up Bob Higgins again. <laughs> I said, we are getting hammered here. This was really kind of a, 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 a difficult choice. And I said, um, can, you get me, can you get me in the fight? Can you get me into the, the, um, what's going on over there in, in, the, in Kuwait? And so I volunteered. And uh, he called back and he said, okay, you're in. It's a Fleet Hospital 22, and uh, pack your bags. And so that was, you know, a very short war, a desert storm. But we were worried about, um, uh, you know, chemical weapons. That was certainly an opportunity uh, uh, at that time. Tsunami had used them on his own people. And we were also had scud attacks and... Um, there was a lot of casualties. Well, no, there weren't a lot of casualties. We got a fair number of casualties from an uh, uh, unlucky scud shot on one of the, the bases and learned about what modern weapons do. But um, came home pretty quick. You know, we were only gone maybe three or four months, which is so different than what happens um, uh, to most physicians when they're deployed overseas now. And um, so, uh, anyway... Time passed. Private practice didn't get any easier. And from my days in London, I was recruited for the Foreign Service. So are you familiar with that, that the State Department has, has doctors around the world, regional medical officers? They serve in kind of hub countries, but then the job is kind of like the old itinerant physician. Uh, you travel around, well, uh, routinely. And it's a, uh, it's a great job, and I knew about it, and um, uh, they wanted me, so that's what we did. We left private practice and went into the Foreign Service and uh, got assigned to Singapore. Uh, Singapore, and then Athens, and then Pretoria, South Africa, and then... Um, Buenos Aires, Argentina. So those were our overseas assignments with the, with the Foreign Service, and those were regional jobs, and so that's kind of how we got to the whole 80 countries thing. Um, again, remarkable opportunities. I was still, you know, working for Uncle Sam. I stayed in the reserves, which turned out to be a tremendous bonus in the Navy Reserve, so I got to do some Navy stuff um, overseas as well. So that kind of brings us up to um, 9-11. And uh, where, where were you in 2001? 
2001, I was in second grade. In second grade. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, I had pretty much already had two or three careers at that point. Shows you I'm an old guy. But um, 2001 for a lot of us, 9-11, the attacks on the Twin Towers, changed a lot of us. It changed our attitude. Um, our country was... In a in a in a bit of a uh, uh, schizophrenia, I guess, and it, we didn't know exactly what was going to happen after that. Was this the start of something much much bigger? We were worried, of course, about WMD, and and uh, folks in the know were seriously worried about about that um, attacks, more attacks on our country, and so I asked to come back in the Navy at that point and uh another uh, mentor who at that point was the surgeon general don arthur he said okay and so i got to come back and then the navy sent me to school i mean this is an incredible story out at uh, ucla university of california los angeles to get a master's in public health in disasters in uh, public health and disasters because they had a job that they that they picked that they wanted me to do and uh, uh, schooling this particular degree and in training was a requirement of that and, and completed a preventive medicine residency I know this all sounds kind of fairy tale but when when that was completed, I got the job at uh, Northern Command, Northcom, here in Colorado Springs, and was the um, command surgeon for that. Again, courtesy of another mentor and uh, a sponsor, uh, and that was that was a wonderful job. We were in the position to help direct the the military's efforts in the homeland. Uh, both to prevent and respond to all different types of disasters. So I really got to, I wasn't doing clinical medicine anymore, but I was getting to do emergency public health. And that became my, my new career and, and my new real love um, professionally. And I still think that was mighty important in terms of the number of people that, that you can potentially help and, and also protect. So I did that. I finished my um, 26 years of, of Navy time. Add it all up, I've had probably 36. Well, I had 10 of Foreign Service and 26 in Navy. So do the math. You can see I, I was in uniform or working for the government for a long time. Mm -hmm. um, I went out to Fourth Fleet, which is in Florida, in Mayport, Florida, as the uh, fourth fleet surgeon, we were doing humanitarian missions with the hospital ship and just so happened to be there when they had that huge, huge earthquake in Haiti, um, 2010, January. And uh, we were some of the first military there, boots on the ground. And people don't understand the magnitude of that unless you were there. There was a quarter of a million people who died, a quarter of a million people who were uh, injured, and three million people who were d displaced. Mm -hmm. Th those numbers 
are so large, it's hard to imagine what the havoc was like. And the the military, I mean, we we basically came in and took over the port, we took over the airport, we provided all of the, well, a significant, significant chunk of the logistics, a lot of the medical help, and most importantly, helped coordinate the, um, the efforts, the international response and U.S. government response. So the Navy, I'd like to say, is, was really kind of in the fore on that response to the, uh, the 2010 Haiti earthquake. Um, I finished up my career by coming back to Colorado Springs. I got a job here in science and technology again at the Northern Command and got to work on some really interesting projects, which I'm still getting to work on. I retired in 2014, but I still maintain my contacts with the military community and working on projects that are related to domestic disaster response. So that's kind of it. And and that was that was my Navy career. Now, there were a few bells and flourishes along the way, but I got to meet, just in summary, tremendous number of interesting and and capable people both in and outside my professional life i uh, had uh, experiences along the way that i really i wouldn't say are unique to a navy career but but darn close and like i said the kids grew up overseas they were better citizens for it and uh Living overseas with the Navy uh, is is a pretty pretty sweet deal, and we got to travel a lot. And, and professionally, I got to do some things that were I don't know pretty exciting along the way. So that's how I would sum up my my Navy career. And I'm still getting to use a lot of the skills that that I learned. Not, like I said, I'm not doing clinical medicine anymore, but as I talk to students up there at Rocky Vista, I tell them, you know, uh, medicine is a big tent and a career is a long time. So that uh, you get to do a lot of things. You have the opportunity to not just do one thing as a, as a physician, particularly a physician in the military. Uh, you can uh, kind of graduate from one thing to the other and even go back to school and learn a new set of skills and put in those to some good professional use. So I wouldn't I wouldn't do it any differently, uh, knowing what I know now. But it was kind of fun to have it happen spontaneously and not not know. I guess one final comment uh, from my experience and all those all those phone calls I got from Bob Higgins and others along the way is that if you as a as a physician get a call to go work with the operational forces to align yourself with uh, you know what we in the Navy called the the line. By all means, do it. Those opportunities, even if they were temporary, the chance to work alongside professional warfighters and get to know what they're about is, I would say, the most fun and the best part of of my longish Navy career. So say yes, take that opportunity. And uh, I think I'd say go for it. You'll be you'll be better off. That's great advice. Thank you so much for that overview of your career in the Navy. It sounds like you had many great experiences throughout your career. Well, thank you. 
I'm sure I've missed lots of things. What maybe if we have a little bit of time, what questions do you think that the people who who might listen to this, what would they what would they like to know? What what sure. particular things? Uh, probably more practical things than just this extended sea story. Yeah, no, it was very interesting. Um, could you talk a little bit about why you chose family medicine and then also why you chose to do flight surgery? Sure. Well, the family medicine choice was, again, as a result of another, another uh, uh, mentor. When I was in college, summers I worked for a, a family practice guy, uh, Dr. Alan Galoon, who was in uh, Castle Rock. He was, he was a, a busy family practice guy doing all kinds of things, including obstetrics, and really had a, a quite um, broad uh, practice because, again, Castle Rock was rural at that time. And coming away from that experience and, and a few other experiences, I I wanted to, you know, be like Dr. Galoon and be a, a family physician. The other probably more practical reason was is that as I was going through medical school and going through the various clinical rotation, I liked them all and I couldn't see giving up anything. So that was that was kind of how I I couldn't make a good choice, I guess. <laughs> so I I uh I went into family practice and that was uh uh, for me, uh, uh, you know, the full, the full exposure to all ages of, uh, of life and really all, all situations from, you know, routine health care to, uh, you know, end-of-life stuff and uh, hospitalization. You know, I, had to, I did some hospital practice, although that uh, turned out to be uh, impractical because of the distance involved. But I felt like I got good training in family practice and set me up for um, the flight surgeon story. That, again, was the, uh, the Bob Higgins throwing me out of his office thing. <laughs> and uh, I sure liked it and learned how to fly and, and uh, got to hang out with that, uh, you know, that aviator bunch. And that has... Uh, turned out to be a, a lot of a lot of fun. I, I learned to sail along the way, and so that's been my hobby all along is uh, sailing, and um, we enjoyed that as a family too. Still, still got the boat. So oh, that's that was, great. That was good. Yeah. Is there a reason why you chose flight surgery over being a UMO or being a GMO? Was it just your interests in flight? I really like Northwest Florida. You know, I had uh, been down there um, during my summer active duty for training, and so I thought that would be uh, uh, that would be uh, uh, pretty attractive. I knew that the obligation for flight surgery was going to be a little bit longer than if I'd deployed with the Marines or or even been a, a general medical officer aboard ship. Um, I think part of the consideration also was. Uh, was a, a family uh, decision, and so we made made a lot of those decisions together. And yeah, I I mean I love to fly, and and when I finally learned how to do it, I never did get my private pilot's license, although I did take civilian flying lessons for a for a while after that. But getting to 
you know, associate with that group was, uh, you know, aviators are a different bunch. And uh, you'll find out that when you get out there that these different, uh, you know, the Black Shoe Navy, the Surface Navy, the, the uh, Undersea, they all have a slightly different culture. And, I mean, it's all good, but I like, I like hanging out with pilots. Sure, that's great. Um, so for our last question, what advice do you have for us students while we're in medical school to be involved with the military and with our branch and to develop becoming a good officer? Mm. Well, there is a bit of sophistry there in that depending on who you talk to and kind of how you think of yourself, um, there's a bit of a change that goes on uh, as you go through officer indoctrination school. I went, it, I went to Newport, and as you associate with the uh, operational or line Navy, and it's the same, I'm sure, for, for the other services, you begin to morph a little bit. And you don't always think of yourself as a, as a physician. I, 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 I didn't always I, uh, have that first and foremost when somebody would ask me about myself. I didn't always say, you know, physician right up front. I may have said something about the Navy. And I think that once you begin to view yourself as a, as a military officer first, that that changes your changes your approach to this this profession. Being a military officer is is what I am. Being a physician is what I do, and um, I think that's okay. It it's humbling because you know that there are other people that just as smart as you, and probably smarter, just as skilled and and dedicated as you, perhaps even more that you have the privilege of, of hanging out with. And this whole doctor thing kind of fades a little bit when you get a chance to... I always said I wanted to be part of something bigger than myself going places and doing things. Mm-hmm. And that's what the... Um, I think that's kind of the officership part of your question is that you're part of that bigger team. You're not off to the side in some uh, clinic taking care of people for a living. It's it's that you're part of this big military machine that represents the United States and, and again, doing good things. So I guess that's it, the outlook, how you view yourself, uh, whether or not you see yourself as a military officer first. I know that may sound a little odd after all the years of schooling, but I think it's I think it's I think it's right. And it's also humbling. To, to know that the other guys who are out there who have worked equally hard and perhaps made even greater sacrifices than, than you, you know, you get to work alongside them. Right, yeah. Those are very good words of wisdom. Thank you for that. Thank you for this opportunity. I don't get to do that very often. And uh, I uh, appreciate what you guys do and, and Godspeed. I hope yeah, things go you. really well for you in your career. I hope you get to have half as much fun as I did. <laughs> Thank you so much, Dr. Turbush. It was very interesting to learn about your career. We're very lucky that you were able to talk to us.